This is exactly right. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm your host, Dr. Dan, and I'm excited to talk to you today about a very important topic, creating an environment of well-being, the mindful way. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about Parent Footprint and what we believe here. Our goal and mission at Parent Footprint is to create a loving world with more compassionate people, one parent and one child at a time. We firmly believe the key to raising happy, healthy, engaged, and aware kids is for us parents to do the same, to be happy, healthy, engaged, and aware in our own lives. And by being aware, awareness is the foundation of creating a vision of your successful parenting for what you want for your children and grandchildren for generations to come. I am very excited to have my friend and colleague, Dr. Paula Wilkes, join us on the show today. Paula has worked in gifted education for more than 35 years as a public school teacher, a university professor, and a gifted consultant. She's currently a coach for gifted children and adults at Summit Center in Los Angeles, where she provides cognitive coaching, counseling, and consultation for children and their parents on gifted and twice-exceptional issues, issues related to sensitivity and intensity. She's also a coach for gifted and twice-exceptional adults who may be struggling with issues related to misdiagnosis, multipotentiality, anxiety, work, and or relationship issues, and a desire to make a stronger connection to their spiritual sensitivity. Paula is a mother and grandmother who focuses her attention on creating calm, loving environments for herself, her family, and her clients. Paula, welcome to the show. Hi, Dan. It's wonderful to be speaking with you. I have been so looking forward to this topic, creating an environment of well-being the mindful way. And as we have discussed, um, this is something that you do day in and day out in your personal life and also in your practice. And I thought a good place to start would be for you to let us all know, how did you get into mindfulness and well-being? What, what, what's your, what was your path? Well, to be honest with you, Dan, I was anxious since I was a child And then the perfect storm happened about 15 years ago. And it was all around, you know, our favorite friend, Stress, who comes to visit most of us. Mm -hmm. My brother had committed suicide a few years prior. And the ache that I felt over his loss really Mm -hmm. agitated any anxiety I already had. And then my husband had been readmitted to the hospital after open heart surgery. And once he was settled in his room, I went rushing home to make meals for my elderly parents. And that night I had a pain throughout my body and I was thinking that maybe I was getting the flu. But in the next morning, I ended up with the first of two frozen shoulders that lasted for more than two years. 
And during that time, I was able to learn about the connection between stress and physical ailments. And I began a journey where I was exploring meditation, qigong, mindfulness, and well-being in general. So really, since that time, mindfulness and well-being are just ways that I'm living my life day to day. That's a powerful beginning um, to this journey. And like so many out there and people listening, uh, so many of us come to places where we are looking to grow and um, towards health in the midst of extreme pain and discomfort, right? I mean, how much that we sometimes need those, what we think are the most awful experiences that we can imagine are actually the impetus for uh, change in health. Oh, absolutely. So how did you start to approach this connection in your life as you started to learn about mindfulness, Qigong, and others? I created a daily practice, and it, it was a practice where I was going to have there be a priority on well-being. It includes stretching, Qigong, and a short period of quiet contemplation or meditation each morning. I don't worry if my mind is racing with ideas. I just try to sit down with no judgment and watch what's coming up. And so I would say for the adults, the parents who are going to try to do some kind of a a daily routine, the point is not to force your children to participate with you, but to show them that well-being is important to you so that, Mm -hmm. you know, you start modeling it for that, for them. I found that playing calm music while I was doing my morning workout and then also while I was driving through the crazy LA traffic (laughs) was helping my body associate well-being with this music. So I might be one of the few people in LA traffic right now who it doesn't cause me stress because it's almost like Pavlov's dog. I hear this music and my body and my mind um, Mm -hmm. become calm. Another thing that I do, Dan, is I give myself enough time to get places. And I think for those of us who live in places where there is a lot of traffic, it's one of the best things I can do for my well-being so that I'm not rushing, and if I have extra time when I get to wherever I've been going, I just feel like it's been a great gift. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the rushing around just adds, you know, to that feeling of stress. And for those of us who might be the kind who get stressed easily, I'm going to do what I can to be mindful of things that will fill my barrel and be mindful of the kinds of things that bring me back to calm and peace. You know, and I'd like you to tell us more about what it means to be mindful because this is a word that has become, in a good way, a very much part of our uh, daily vocabulary um, and in the media. And I think sometimes we we hear it, but we don't really stop to think about it. And um, I, I can share that from the moment I decided that I wanted to do um, some mindful or meditative practice to the moment that I actually 
did it, I'm thinking was about a loss of seven years because I had this assumption that I needed to have 30 minutes or 45 minutes to sit in quiet for it to be real. And with three young kids um, and the rest of life, that never presented itself. And in reality, there are mindful moments that we can take all the time um, and anyone can start immediately. Yes, and I think that's so important. I was one of those who's always been an achiever, and I felt that same way. Mm -hmm. When I was going to sit down to meditation, oh, no, there's another idea going through my head. Oh, there's another one. So that at the end, maybe of only five or ten minutes, I had more anxiety than when I first sat down to meditate. And what I've learned about mindfulness is just bringing a quiet, non-judgmental awareness to whatever I'm doing, whether it's working with the clients that I work with, being with them, what they're saying, how they're saying it, whether it's with my grandchildren, with my husband, with our daughter, when I'm driving, trying to be in the moment of what's happening. And I'd like to share an interesting thing that just recently happened for me, Dan, and it goes along with when you were talking about how, you know, there's so much to be learned and growth even, you know, from some experiences we'd rather not have. Mm-hmm. And 10 days ago, we lost my sister's husband uh, to just a tragic death. And because of my mindful practice, I was able to be there and be very aware. I had never been in a room with somebody who, you know, was hooked to ventilation, who was brain dead. I was able to stroke his face and kiss him and, and let him know how much he had been loved. And the And the beauty of all of this was, even though there obviously was grieving, I was able to be aware of some incredible beauty that happened as well. I sat there as my sister called her father-in-law to tell him that her husband, his only child, um, had died, was going to be taken off of life support. I was able to watch the facial expression and hear the tone of voice in the young doctor who was explaining to us that Alan was no longer alive. And there was so much compassion in the midst of tragedy. I really feel that it was my mindfulness, my being aware of what was really happening in those moments that opened the possibility that I could see, you know, the beauty and the gifts. Hmm. That, um, and of all situations, that is one where there is usually so much emotion of all kinds. Um, so to be able to be still and quiet in the midst of all that, I imagine was a unique experience for you or something new in these sorts of situations. You know, the thing that is so interesting when we worry into the future, Mm -hmm. we're not bringing any of our support systems, any of the resilience and perseverance that we have. So if I had worried into the future, What would have happened if I'd been in this situation? I probably would have been panicked. And Mm -hmm. for someone who earlier in my life suffered so greatly from anxiety and panic attacks and all, I know 
that this being the first time I ever experienced something like this and to be able to not have any anxiety, any panic, um, definitely sadness, but not overwhelming sadness is really because of uh, my priority to live um, with well-being and, and awareness of what is happening right now in front of me. And that is directly related to our role as parents and grandparents when um, we know how much the, the kids that we work with, how much um, their parents often are worrying about them for often really good reason. And the worries during the day and the stress and finances and tutors and future. And it just speaks to you know, how important it is in the day-to-day for parents to create this environment of well-being and mindfulness in their own lives because of the direct and indirect consequences it can have on their children. That is just so powerful. Just this morning, I was reading about the mirror neurons in our Mm -hmm. brain and how we become like those who are in our environment, whether it's a colleague we work with who loses control easily and gets angry, or if we're lucky enough to have a partner in our life who is calm and mindful as well. But if there is a highly stressed parent in a family, there's a greater chance that there will be a stressed child. And the other way around, if you have a child who is highly stressed, there's a greater chance that those parents will be feeling stress as well. And in my work with children in my daily life with our grandkids, I'm seeing how that well-being impacts them because of them being, you know, emotional sponges and that the environments in their homes, the environments in their schools can have a positive or negative impact on their well-being. So I definitely encourage parents who are trying to do this at home, but then they see that the the school or the classroom may be chaotic, that the parents need to do what they can to make each of the environments in which these children are living um, to have this idea of wellness and well-being because of the number of hours that, that kids spend in school settings. You know, and we're, so you're, I, I like how you brought in this word regulation or dysregulated because um, this is cutting across a lot of topics that we've hit on on the show, and this is a nice uh, way for us to sort of wrap it together. The idea of um, regulation. Um, Stuart Shanker talked about self-reg and how if um, an environment can, like school, particularly with bright lights, lots of kids, loud voices, could be totally dysregulating. Um, Tina Bryson was talking about if we are not regulated as parents, um, we can't expect our, to impact our kids in a positive way when they're being dysregulated. So we have to get regulated ourselves first. And now you're bringing this this notion of, you know, how do we as parents provide a context or an environment of well-being both – I almost feel it's like the canvas or it's the um, – it's the it's the bowl that the soup lives in, you know, for for our children. You know, like so. How how do we do this? How how do parents do this? Well, 
I've been thinking recently about our lives as concentric circles. And that very central circle is ourselves all by ourselves. Our children aren't in there with us. Our partner isn't in there with us. We are alone. And that we need to be kind to ourselves first. We fill mm-hmm. ourselves with love and with compassion. And if we weren't loved enough as a child, we should get a photo of ourselves from when we were a child and tell that child you're sorry that he or she didn't get the love they needed that you're now an adult and you'll make sure to nourish that child. Because when the child within you is nourished, it's easier to nourish the other children in your life as well. And if we're willing to do this for ourselves, there's a greater chance we're going to be willing to do this for our children as well. The other day I read a quote by Wayne Dwyer that has really with me. And he says, it has to do with, for me, how do we create a, a feeling of peace in our families? And he says, peace is the result of retraining your mind to process life as it is, rather than as you think it should be. Hmm. So, Taking things as they're coming, as I said, with some of, you know, maybe the calamities that have happened in our lives, but also the little things, because I don't want to mislead people to think it's only the big things that cause us to fall apart, because we might be very strong when it comes to the big things, and then several little things happen in our lives, and we lose control. So to show kids You might have hoped something different was going to happen, but this is the way things are now and how to process things the way they are. And I think really the modeling is such a big thing. You know, if I could go back and do it again, our daughter would have had a mother who wasn't as anxious as I was, but now she's able to watch I'm in my mid-60s, how I've been able to change my life, how just because we were anxious at one point in our life doesn't mean that that's the way it's going to be forever. Mm-hmm. And I think something that you're saying, which is really resonating with um, parent footprint uh, philosophy is these days us parents are focused so much on our kids for a variety of reasons and even when you just you gave the the example of if you didn't feel filled up as a child and have a picture of that child self and focus on your child self and focus on yourself and you're saying that when we parents focus on ourselves first we can be solid and grounding and calming for our children. Yes. It's how we behave in front of them that's the footprint we're leaving for them. So if we're modeling a calm, loving, compassionate life, compassion for ourselves as well as compassion for others, I mean, what a great thing for the mirror neurons of our children's brains. So what you've talked about some of your strategies, what would you say if you're going to put together a little uh, a little menu of your favorite strategies for our listeners? What, what would you say some of the simple and yet powerful ones are? Well, for me, because I was such an empath 
even from being a very small child and felt feeling like I needed to, you know, take on the burdens of other people, I have learned to practice compassion rather than empathy. Hmm. So rather than feeling the pain of others, even the pain of my grandchildren, I now practice loving compassion. So I fill myself with love and allow it to expand out to my clients, to my grandchildren, to others around me, so that I'm not depleting myself for the sake of others. And that goes along also with having healed the young girl in my life who maybe wanted to be loved in a different way. Another thing that I'm doing, as I mentioned, is looking for lessons in all I experience. That, you know, we can't just say, oh, I'll be happy when, and put out there some things that have to happen before you are going to be happy. No, I'm going to be happy with everything that happens because in everything there's a lesson. And then I think probably the, the, the life changer for me has been to learn to live in a state of calm. The way I eat, the music I listen to, taking my time. You know, there was a time when I was a working mother and worked as a consultant and was working on my PhD. And it was as though I was proving my worth by being the busiest person. And now I see there's no need to brag about how busy we are, how little time we have for ourselves. This is another thing we need to be modeling for our children how to live, that we're taking our time because our wellness and our well-being are so important. So I'm thinking about all of the parents out there who, whether they are um, stay-at-home parents or and also have a career, the thing that we hear the most these days is this thing about time. There's just not enough time, and we're always rushing around um, in our own lives, getting our kids places. How do you make this time when there's all these legitimate scheduling challenges and all of this pressure to be at all of these places and show up being your best self in all these these places and times? Well, for me, being a grandparent who helps watch kids a few days a week in addition, you know, to working, I don't have the same pressures as if I was a parent and I had three children at home. But I know what's true when we have our two grandchildren here, one who's one and one who's four and a half, that if when I'm with them, I'm really with them so that I'm not multitasking, checking my phone, writing an email. I'm with them, playing with them. And then if I need to do something, I'm explaining to them you know, Nana needs a little bit of time right now because I need to do this and then I'm going to come back and we'll do whatever. Trying to be respectful even when they're very young. Mm-hmm. And I, I get up at 5.30 in the morning even when there isn't anything I'm going to be doing maybe that day until noon and I'm doing my morning routine 
because it's a really important way for me to begin. And when we go on a vacation, I'm still doing those things because well-being is important no matter where I am. And what's so interesting, Dan, is I feel like I have more time than I used to have because I'm taking my time and I'm really deciding about what is so important that has to be done and what is something that would be able to wait. And one of the interesting things about that is I'm finding that had I done something knee-jerk style, I just have to get it done right now, Mm -hmm. it may not have had the same kind of thought percolating of ideas as when I give time for things to happen. Yes, letting things unfold, giving things time and being aware. I know uh, now with three adolescents, um, you know, you talk about if you only knew then what you know now, I find myself (laughs) in the same sort of (laughs) mindset of, um, I don't know, as we get older and we think about this stuff more, it does seem a little easier to sit in the moments when we've looked back and seen all of the moments have, uh, you know, have passed and they're not coming back. And uh, I do think it's just so important for all of us parents, um, including the most busy, um, to think about this idea of creating an environment of well-being both for yourselves and just thinking about the impact it's going to have on your kids. Because as you said, Paula, not only are we modeling for our kids how to be an adult, the energy that we put off positive, negative, distracted is being absorbed by our kids, you know, their eyes, those mirror neurons through all of their senses. And we, whether we like it or not, we are constantly um, impacting their psychological, behavioral, um, and physiological lives moment by moment. Yes, and there, before I meet with my young clients, I have a kind of a lesson plan of what I'm going to do during that hour with them. And I always try to be very mindful when they arrive, have they and their parents just rushed over quickly? You know, do they need a chance just to sit and unwind? Maybe they have something they want to tell me from their personal life or their school life. And because I want them to get into a really relaxed place so we're not pushing. And then cognitively, all they're able to accomplish is really amazing. So I would hope that parents might do this, whatever homework time is, that it not be done in a really pushing, stressful way with parents that, you know, maybe they're going to take five or 10 minutes just to find out how the child's feeling about doing that assignment that day or what maybe is is bothering them so that when the child unloads with something emotional they needed to share, they're more cognitively prepared to do the Mm -hmm. work that they're being asked to do. So if your current self, your wise current grandmotherly self could have, could have, could say one thing to your 40, 35, 40 year old self, (laughs) what would it be? Well, as I mentioned, I look back at what I could have been like 
as a mom if if I had known how to take my time and life didn't have to be so rushed and there was a way for me to deal with my own anxiety and and what this older self knows now is that my daughter and grandchildren are deeply loved and that my mindfulness well-being practice has enabled me to see them as separate and unique individuals and they don't need the pressure um, of having to measure up to any preconceived idea or criteria that maybe I felt there needed to be when I was just the mom and that Mm. they're not representatives of me They're representing their own unique and wondrous journeys, and I'm here to celebrate the good fortune that that I have to share in this portion of that journey. And I think it's because I'm putting myself in the center and loving myself that way that I don't have to measure up to anybody else's preconceived criteria either. Mm-hmm. that it allows me to have that spill out into their lives and those of my clients. So that's what I would have encouraged my younger self to do is maybe nourish my myself first so that I could then do that to my own daughter. You hear that, parents? <clears throat> nourish yourself first. I can see that in bold right now, Paula. Nourish <laughs> yourself first. All right, I can't believe it, but we're we're down to our final meaningful question, or it's a question and it's a moment. It's the parent footprint moment, and this is where I believe you have already been doing this, but I have some ideas about a time that you became aware of yourself as an individual, parent or grandparent, and that awareness has had a positive impact on your child or grandchildren. So I think because my daughter has watched over the last 15 years how I've been evolving through this process of self-awareness and well-being, she experienced the anxious mom um, when she was younger, that when it came at a time in her own career where she was a young attorney, with a child and already a partner in a law firm and she felt that she needed to nourish herself in another way that it wasn't going to be so important what other people thought of her as whether or not she was an attorney or doing something else. She found something different and even better and more nourishing for her to be doing in her life. And so I think my own awareness and nourishing myself helped her begin to do this Hmm. when she's only in her 30s. And I feel so grateful, even though it was late in coming for me to be able to be watching that now in my own daughter. You know, I love about that story is a lot of our guest parent footprint moments are about when their kids were young. And this is just a perfect example of how, you know, our parenting, uh, it it doesn't stop. And because you were able to make the changes that you did and have and create the awarenesses and space in your life of this um, well-being in your life, it had a positive impact on your daughter and how she viewed herself and um, what she needed or did not need out of her career. 
Yes, that is beautiful, Dan. I see that as well. Very cool. So, as you all know from listening to these podcasts, we are all about increasing awareness. And when we have increased self-awareness, we can be mindful of our own emotion, our own behavior, and the impact it is having on our children. And as Paula has pointed out today so eloquently, when we can nurture ourselves, focus on ourselves, be aware of ourselves, there is only potential positive impact for our children. Paula, this show is exactly what I thought it would be in our discussion. <laughs> I am so grateful for this conversation today. And um, for everyone out there, Paula is a wise sage. And Paula, where can people learn more about you and contact you? They can go to my website, which is coachingthegifted.net. And through that site, there is a place that they can send me an email message, and I'll be sure to get back to them. She always does. I encourage everyone to do so. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Join us on our mission to create a more loving world with more compassionate people, one parent and one child at a time. Be kind to yourself. Nourish yourself. Be the adult you want your children to become. Feel free to check out our website, www.parentfootprint.com. We look forward to bringing you more insightful podcasts. And as always, I will leave you with this guiding question. What footprint do you want to leave? <laughs>